Database caching is a fundamental challenge in database management, and there are hundreds of techniques to satisfy different caching scenarios. Polyscale is a fully automated database cache. It offers an innovative approach to database caching, leveraging AI and automated configuration to simplify the process of determining what should and should not be cached. Ben Hagen is the founder and CEO of Polyscale, and he is our guest today. This episode is hosted by Lee Acheson. Lee Acheson is a software architect, author, and thought leader on cloud computing and application modernization. His best-selling book, Architecting for Scale, is an essential resource for technical teams looking to maintain high availability and manage risk in their cloud environments. Lee is the host of his podcast, Modern Digital Business, an engaging and informative podcast produced for people looking to build and grow their digital business with the help of modern applications and processes developed for today's fast-moving business environment. Listen at mdb.fm. Follow Lee at softwarearchitectureinsights.com and see all his content at leeatchison.com. Ben, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks, Lee, and thanks for having me. Good to be here. Great. I'm glad you are here. Now, you know, full disclosure, you and I have worked together in a couple of projects in in, in the past, and and you know, I remember when we when I started first started working with you, we worked. Um, you know, I I was thinking Polyscale was just another caching mechanism, and you you had asked me to write a white paper for you that was comparing Polyscale to Redis, and and. I didn't really know anything about it until I started doing some research. And as I did the research on Polyscale, I became more and more impressed with what you guys do. It's It really is a lot more than just a simple cache, like a Redis cache. There's a lot more to it, but very focused on databases. So I'm wondering if you could give me a, a an overview of what does Polyscale actually do for you? Yeah, no, very much so. So um, I think if you to kind of summarize Polyscale in kind of a single sentence, it's a fully autonomous distributed database cache. Um, so there's there's a lot in there. You know, the fully autonomous part is, like you say, we take a different approach to caching where, um, you know, I think most people, lots of engineers certainly who have used traditional caching solutions in the past, um, you know, it's easy to become overwhelmed with complexity. So you're typically starting with kind of a blank canvas and, you know, working out what to cache. Um, how long to cache it for, and all of the other complexities that come come with building a caching solution. So that sort of fully autonomous piece was our, <clears throat> you know, really where we're focused on here is making the platform decide for you what it can cache and how long to cache that data for in its in its simplest terms. So the whole focus is being completely plug and play. That's really what we wanted to get to. And um, you know, the second part of that is that. Um, Polyscale is, as you mentioned, sort of fully focused on just being a database cache. So, you know, solutions like Redis or whatever, you can obviously cache any, any pretty much any type of data that, um, that you want to. So Polyscale is fully focused on being just a database cache. And we, we use a sidecar architecture to, to plug into, um, into, into infrastructure. Um, and then sort of the final component of that is we're fully distributed. So, you know, you can run Polyscale in a, in a single environment, single sort of single node or you can have that in a fully distributed environment. And, um, you know, Polyscale, we run our own edge network to um, to support different workloads. Or if you're self-hosting, you can build your own sort of multi-region um, network. So, so, yeah, really the focus is to make a fully autonomous plug-and-play 
database cache um, that you can deploy literally in minutes rather than sort of implementing from scratch and, and writing code. Cool. Yeah. So let's use the term sidecar architecture and just, you know, since different people have different definitions of what you mean by a sidecar in different different contexts, you know, sidecars and Kubernetes is different than other places and the different meanings. Why don't you tell exactly what you mean by um, uh, it, by the caches inserted as a sidecar? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so if you consider sort of a, a basic um, architecture of maybe an application server, traditional application server with a with a database backend, and there's traffic passing you know, back and forth between those, <clears throat> typically TCP-based traffic, um, OliScale is a completely standalone component that sits between those two. So it's effectively a transparent proxy um, that inspects all of the data, all of that sort of TCP um, data that, that passes back and forth between the application and the database. So from an architectural perspective, you know, that sits alongside the application. Polyscale is a completely separate component. Um, it's external to the application and it's external to the database. You're reading and interpreting the SQL statements or is essentially what you're doing. Exactly, that's right. So, you know, what we actually do is, um, Polyscale sort of focuses, we're down at sort of TCP layer three, layer four, and we are wire protocol compatible with various databases. So, you know, for example, we support Postgres and MySQL, Maria, MS SQL Server. Uh, we've got MongoDB coming soon. And what that means is that you can plug this in and you know, we'll inspect that traffic and you don't have to write any code. There's no libraries to install. You don't have to change your queries or, or anything, you know, like that. So, um, so literally, the, the traffic passes through Polyscale transparently. Um, and then what we do is we actually, you know, under the covers, we take a look at what is that that traffic that's passing through. So if you're using a SQL database, you know, like some of the ones I've just mentioned, um, we inspect those actual SQL statements and we work out what they're doing. Um, and at the highest level, like what are these SQL statements doing? That, that Are they reads or writes? That's really the first thing we look at. So... You know, is this a, um, a read query? Is it a select or a show in kind of the, the SQL world? Or is it a manipulation query? You know, are we inserting, updating, or deleting? And, you know, depending on the answer to that that first question, we then, um, you know, do different things with, with the data. Um, so in the read scenario, <clears throat> those, the a whole bunch of metrics that gets extracted from that SQL data, um, including, you know, how often the queries are arriving at the platform, how frequently the payloads are changing from the database, all of those data points get get fed into our AI engine, which builds statistical models on every single unique SQL query. Um, so using that data, we can then determine, is it a good candidate for caching? You know, is there a, um, a use case here where we're seeing repeat queries and can we confidently cache those knowing that the database is unlikely to change in the time period that we're setting the cache for. Um, so that's kind of the, the read side of things. And what that means is, you know, in its simplest form is that you can plug in, um, you know, if I send a brand new query to Polyscale um, that it's never, never seen before, I'll get a hit typically on the third request. Um, and then if I send a query to Polyscale that's similar to another query, so let's say it's got different parameters, for example, I'll get a hit on the second request. So it's, you know, it takes those properties into consideration and then builds, you know, and learns based on, you know, what that traffic looks like. 
some of the things you know, you say learn, but what is it learning from the queries? It's you're not just caching a specific query. You know, a, a basic dumb cache would take the query, read the result, cache the the results for that specific query only, and only return that result so the exact same query came again, assuming it was never flushed or whatever. And and writes to that table probably flushes the entire cache. I mean, that's a real simple caching approach. But what you do is is not only are you intelligent about deciding when to flush the cache, but you also are anticipatory on related queries and figure out what um, possible queries might be coming and cache those ahead of time. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So... Um... There's a few bits in there. So yeah, when a, a query comes in, we so we, we share the knowledge that we learn about queries. Um, we kind of extract their parameters. So if we're passing a SQL query, we'll extract the SQL parameters from that, and we will call that a SQL template. So that gives us sort of the core of a specific SQL query. Um, and we build intelligence at the template level, which is the query without the parameters, as I mentioned and also down at the unique, sort of semantically unique query level as well. So we have these two um, two sort of levels of intelligence around um, you know, how those queries are behaving. And what that allows us to do is that you know, we, we parse the SQL query and we also understand what tables and columns and rows and fields are actually affected by those, by those queries. Um, so, you know, on the right side of things, when a, a write comes in, that firstly, it just passes straight through to the database. So obviously we don't cache writes, um, they pass through the database, but what we do do is we inspect those <clears throat> and we understand what data is actually changed by those update statements or inserts or deletes. And we automatically evict that data from the cache, just, just the changed data. So we keep this relationship between the queries that are doing reads, what data they're affecting, and then the queries that are doing writes and what data they're affecting. So we're you know, intelligently able to invalidate the cache for just the change data that, that's coming through the platform. Okay, and now you've got large language models that do this, uh, this uh, um, uh, AI selection criteria for you to determine how to read this. Is that correct? Is that, you know, t talk a little bit about the AI behind how this works. Yeah, so we don't use LLMs. Um, we actually build quite complex statistical models around um, all of the queries and how the queries are behaving. So, you know, at the specific, like I've mentioned, sort of those different tiers of um, of sort of introspection. But we'll look at things at sort of the SQL level, um, the, the raw SQL query. We look at those at the template level, and then there's all of the behavior around the queries as well. So that all fills in, feeds into the um, into the models to determine you know, how cacheable are they, and if we do cache them, when do we invalidate the data? Um, as I say, there's a whole bunch of inputs. Um, the core ones are things like, as I, as I mentioned before, sort of how often are the queries actually arriving at Polyscale? You know, are we seeing 100 a second or what an hour? Right, that sort of is a is a major influencer as to um, you know to what's happening. And then and then secondly, we've got the you know, we inspect how often the payloads that are coming back are changing. So, you know, we can go and um, look at the results of those queries when they come back and as we store them in the cache and determine, you know, has that payload changed? Is that now a different result set for the same query? And again, the frequency of change feeds into the, um, into the AI models. 
Okay, so they're they're more statistical than large language models. That that makes perfect sense. But so talk a little bit about the reliability of these statistical models. You know the the um um you 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 know there's there's a couple of angles to look at, and one is likelihood of of getting a hit and hit versus miss ratios and things like that. The other one is accuracy and correctness of a hit, right? And uh, you know, false hits can be just as much of a problem as as uh, too many misses. In fact, it could be more of a problem from a from from an application standpoint. How do you how how do you using predictive analysis? How do you keep incorrect hits down? Yeah, and um, so we 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 do two um, two specific methods. So one, as I've mentioned before, looks at the um, we know if we've served a piece of data that's actually changed. Um, so we know if we've served a, <clears throat> um, you know, if a response to a query that's a miss has actually changed since the last time we've served it, we know that that's now changing. And that's that's a statistical-based invalidation model. And that that's sort of a time-based thing. Um, so we'll always be evicting, Polyscale always errs on the side of correctness over performance. So it'll always err on the side of, um, you know, let's invalidate if we're not sure. You'd rather have a miss than a bad hit. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, that fits most use cases. Um, and then you couple that with, you know, what we call the smart invalidation, which is the piece I mentioned before, which is if we can actually see those those writes coming into the platform, then, you know, that feeds us even more accurate data into the to the platform. And the nice thing about that is we can effectively set um, an, an unlimited TTL. We can cache that forever as long as we can reliably see the invalidations. Um, and there you can get very, very high hit rates, um, you know, if we're seeing if we're seeing those invalidations. Now, there are use cases whereby um, things can be updating and manipulating the database that Polyscale can't see. And for those, you know, for example, in maybe a travel use case where you've got lots of bulk imports coming in from multiple different data sources, <clears throat> they may be going through channels that Polyscale can't see. Um, you know, it's not sort of connected through a typical web application or direct TCP connections to the database, for example. And in those situations, we support um, importing a CDC stream. So, you know, we use Debezium to bring in um, a change data capture stream, and that can pipe straight into Polyscale and feeds that invalidation pipeline that we we use when we actually observe the queries ourselves. So exactly the same same design. Cool, cool. So that's that's how you keep from inaccurate hits. But what about increasing hit rates with predictive um, uh, predictive queries? So you, you'll you'll pre-cache queries expecting to receive a query. So why don't you talk about that mechanism a little? Yeah, so that's, um, you know, that's what we do there is we, as I sort of mentioned before, we, we look at similar queries. So it could be um, a semantically different query, but it has different sort of properties. So let's say, you know, select salary from table where user ID equals five, it's the same as select salary from table where user ID equals 10. Um, so same type of query, but semantically different. <clears throat> and we build intelligence at that sort of level, and then we can share those across the queries. So that means that if we see a brand new query coming in that's semantically different, we already know that it's um, 
you know, something we've seen in the past and that we can go ahead and reliably cache that and get high hit rates because it's unlikely to be changing, you know, based on the knowledge from the other queries that are similar to that. Um, so you could have sort of high cardinality queries coming in and still get very high hit rates um, because of that sort of intelligence that that, that um, you know, shares between them. Um, and then the other part is, I think, you know, the, the, the piece you're mentioning as well is that you can, you know, what we want to do is be able to expose, you know, a completely predictive environment where you can say, um, you know, this is really the, the personalization use case. So um, all the time we're logging into personalized apps, and I don't know about you, but certainly my experience of logging into my um, cell, phone for, cell phone provider or my um, iTunes account or my bank or whatever it is, and the performance, because it's all personalized, really suffers. So what we're working on is the ability to, um, you know, personalize and cluster those queries. So we know you log into your cell phone account, your cell phone provider. We know you're likely to go and do your typical behavior, which may be see the, you know, your latest bill or look at your latest SMS messages or whatever it may be and preload those and preempt that other, back. Exactly. Pull other rows from other tables that have the same account ID, for instance. Things like exactly. That. And that really sort of... Yeah. Um, you know, it sort of changes the dynamics really of what a cache is, I think. And you know, one of the things that we think about a lot is that, um, you know, if you think about data distribution and different access patterns and query patterns, they typically vary wildly depending on use cases. And I think that's just another use case whereby we want to be able to preload that data in. We know the access patterns of, a, of that user individually, or we can crowdsource that across all users and work out what you know, statistically what's most likely their path through the site will be, um, you know, and then cache that data where it needs to be. So right at the edge, right next to the user. So, you know, let's assume I have a standard application, which of course we all know is well-defined and well-understood what a standard Indeed. application. I say sarcastically here, but no, I mean, you make up, make up whatever, um, you know, uh, statements that go along with that you want. But I, I just want an idea as a, as a customer with nothing unusual, an application, you know, an e-commerce site, that, that's a good example. Let's just do that. What type of, of optimization could I expect using this algorithm? Are we talking about, you know, 10% hits? Are we talking about higher hit rates? And then what type of hit rates and what type of ultimate performance um, optimizations realistically do you expect your customers to see? Yeah. Yeah, so the two bits, um, I mean, just taking a step back, the two sort of focus areas of Polyscale, what do we solve? One is the just the raw cache hit performance, the query performance. Um, so Polyscale will serve any cached SQL query sub-millisecond at massive concurrency. So you've got the sort of sub-millisecond execution of a query. Um, and then the second part is you've got the latency to go and actually execute that query sort of network-wise, speed of light. So you could, for example, have your database hosted US East and you've got, you know, customers US West and, you know, you've got latency between the two. Um, so those two sort of primary focal points are, are, are what we do. And if you take a, an e-commerce application, it's, it's a, a great candidate for caching because obviously it's very read-centric um, and, you know, the other thing about e-commerce is there's a, a, a direct correlation between sort of the dollars to performance, right? We know if we can serve pages faster, we can, you know, serve customers better, we get brand retention, we get, you know, 
faster times to check out and general you know dollar increases um so if you you know, one of the nice things about the platform is that in a traditional sort of caching environment typically a developer will approach us by trying to accelerate sort of the, the slowest queries that they can find so taking that e-commerce application um, a developer may say hey I'll, I'll sort of study the um you know, slow logs or whatever it may be and i may take the top 10 queries and I'm going to look to cache those in some way um, within the application and, and sort of build that from scratch. Um, now, what Polyscale does is obviously because we look at all of the traffic flowing between the application and the database tier, it has the opportunity to cache everything, you know, all of the cacheable traffic. You know, traditionally we call that the long tail of there may be, I can give you an example, um, you know, we, <clears throat> we have a, an e-commerce application, um, an e-commerce customer that we're running, and you know, there's sort of ten to twenty thousand unique queries running through the platform every day. Um, Polyscale inspects and looks at all of those, including things like you know session tables and stuff you would never want to cache. You know, you want to, want that to be sort of fresh data. Um, and there we're getting about ninety percent hit rates, ninety-two, ninety-four percent hit rates, um, because you know, there's a huge amount of re-traffic in, in those applications. Um, and that's, again, the cool thing about that is like, we've done no configuration. That's just plug it in literally. Um, and you can expect those sort of hit rates very, very quickly. They're not the sort of things you need to mature over a week or several days. Um, as I mentioned, you'll be getting hits on the, you know, the third, the second and third queries. Um, so yeah, I mean, 90% plus hit rates is far from uncommon in those types of you know, use cases where they are quite read-centric. Um, and we debate this internally quite a lot. It's like, you know, I've been asked before, what's the what's a number you consider a good hit rate? And um, and then I sort of step through use cases that we work with. And um, I think it's it's kind of impossible to answer because, you know, there's one customer, for example, they're a, um, a Web3 gaming environment where they run basically, you know, complex leaderboards for um, their global statistics. And that's a very small proportion of their overall database traffic but it's also a critical one to their business right it really is a core part of their entire business um so getting a you know let's say we're getting a 10 percent hit rate is is that good bad or indifferent and it's um you know it's it, it really does depend on the use case yeah it, i i i imagine uh different types of applications with different types of caching needs you can have different statistical analysis that's necessary to 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 get the re get the results and that's it, it's yeah, you know, it's one thing that the you know the analysis just returns different results, but are there adjustments to the algorithms that you either can make or you do make based on the type of application? Um, so the automation is, I think the answer is no. Like you're running the same algorithm for all types of applications. Um, we do. I mean, there's certain situations that are triggered by certain behavior that. Um, you know, you may see in different use cases, but overall, it's a it's a, a single algorithm that that's being used. Um, and we're always, I mean, the thing to think about this is, it's you know, every single query is being analyzed in real time, always, yeah, because it's always on, always real time, adjusting algorithm. So you know, this, this is the other sort of part of traditional caching, whereby I may, as a developer, set a TTN on a specific query for fifteen minutes. And you know, who knows if 15 minutes is actually optimum? Is it 13 minutes, 24 seconds, or is it you know six hours? 
we've got no idea as a developer. We're just sort of guessing until you start sort of analyzing that data. Um, and that's what Polyscale does 24-7 on every single query. It's always adjusting the algorithm, um, <clears throat> you know, based on behavior on the side, based on how much, um, you know, that traffic's being requested, based on how much, you know, the data's changing on the database. Um, all of that information is always being gathered. And and that's something that's really hard to do for, for a human. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, that's just constant database tuning or constant cache tuning. I'm sorry, not database Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, and you can come in and you can set manual TTLs and you can do that at a query level. You can do that even at a database table level. Um, so, you know, if you've got use cases where you want to be very specific about TTLs, you can go and overwrite that if, if you so choose. But um, I think, you know, 99% of our customers never touch the, you know, they're running sort of full auto mode. So I'm intrigued by the use case you mentioned where you are using the caching to do uh, geodiverse uh, queries. You know, you have a database in US East and you're accessing it from EU East or uh, from US West or whatever and and um, and being able to optimize queries that way. Uh, talk about that use case a little bit more because yeah. obviously, you know, you, there's a much larger impact to caching for those geodiverse locations. But um, the results of what is cacheable and what is not cacheable is pretty much the same on U.S. East versus U.S. West, presumably, you know, and uh, and, and how that works. So, so how does that, um, the, from a global standpoint, how does the cache coordinate and make all that work? Yeah, so, you know, you think about the sort of the tremendous choices people have now at that kind of application tier. They can host multi-region really easily now. So, you know, just with your hyperscaler, I can pick multiple regions and deploy my app, you know, or I'm using something like Lambda. Maybe I've got that running in a few locations and you've got all those DNS tools wrapped in there as well for, you know, latency-based routing. It makes it super easy to distribute your app. Um, but it's much, much harder to do that at sort of the, the database tier, right? You end up with things like read replicas, you start splitting your code to work out what's a read versus a write, and then which node should it hit, and you get a bunch of complexity there. Um, so we designed Polyscale sort of to focus on, you know, be distributed from day one. And there's that use case in kind of what I you know, classify as the hyperscalers. And then there's the sort of more edge-facing use cases that we work a lot with, with you know, companies like Cloudflare and Cloudflare Workers and Netlify and Vercel and Dino, you know, the ability to deploy into multiple regions as default. Um, and I think that database challenge there is a lot hard, you know, it's a lot harder to solve that data distribution um, when you're, you're thinking about sort of running across 15 regions or 20 regions. You know, how do you solve that without, you know, burdening the, you know, having the latency issues? And I think the reality is a lot of, um, a lot of enterprises just have latency problems they have it's slow to connect from certain locations and um you know i think the cdn industry sort of paved the way here like we can serve html and binaries and static data really close to people at the edge um and polyscale sort of doing something similar but without dynamic data and, and a step back from um you know where the actual application tier is being hosted so we want to get as close as possible to the app tier you know polyscale needs to be as close as possible to the application tier to keep that latency low. Um, so yeah, on the sort of the, the edge 
um, use cases, we we see some interesting challenges for for developers. And you know, firstly, things like initiating a new TCP connection is actually pretty slow with TLS handshakes and things of that nature. Then you've got the actual speed of light plus network latencies. Then you actually execute the query at the database, and then you return that payload, and that will vary depending on the size of that payload. Um, so if you sort of drop Polyscale into that mix right next to your application tier, we do things like we'll maintain connection pools. So we can maintain a hop connection. Um, so you're making a TLS, you're making a TLS connection from your application tier just to Polyscale, um, which is obviously very you know, much faster than going all the way back to the database. Um, and then, you know, with the pooling in place, if we have a cache hit as well, you can initiate a brand new TCP connection from your app or your serverless function or whatever it may be um, to Polyscale, get a cache hit and return that response, you know, in, in sub millisecond or one or two milliseconds. Um, so it can be very effective. And, and likewise, that's all tied into the invalidation side of things. So, you know, when something gets updated in US East, that actually ripples through to every Polyscale location and, and invalidates that globally as well. So how have your customers been taking to this? What obviously, you know, you've you know, you you've um you you've got something here that's that's valuable for the for improving the performance of back end performance of databases for large scale customers, but presumably also for smaller customers there's a lot to be benefited using this algorithm as well. What do your customers say? Yeah, so I mean if you think um we, we definitely have a lots of small customers who can be anything from you know, people running hobby sites, blog sites, um, and you know maybe they're um, deploying using Dino or, or one of the you know services I've mentioned before. <clears throat> they're deploying globally. Why not just plug in Polyscale? Like you know, what's the that's gonna remove or lower that latency? It's gonna accelerate performance. Drop it in. You know, no configuration, and and you're good to go. And um, and then sort of the other side of the you know, larger customers, we had, um, you know, what the customers are really enjoying is that you can literally deploy from scratch in kind of less than 30 minutes. So an example, last week we had a pretty large customer signed up. They um, they were using Cloudflare workers for a global use case. Um, they serve about between 20 and 40 million requests per day, like database queries. And they're, they're doing that using our serverless HTTP API. And they were up and running a sort of sub 30 minutes, sub 30 minutes. Um, so, you know, getting decent hit rates and deploying globally, and they're hitting sort of 10, 15 regions around the planet or, or across our edge network, um, you know, and it, it really does solve that challenge very, very quickly. So I think the whole, you know, certainly developers tell us it's, it's really refreshing to not have to be writing this stuff from scratch. I think that's the, the biggest win. Cool. Great. Well, this has been a great conversation, Ben. As always, I love talking to you about Polyscale. And, uh, and just as a refresher to everyone, I wrote a, a uh, small ebook for um, Polyscale on the comparison between caching with Redis versus caching with Polyscale and the advantages of the Polyscale architecture. I believe you can still get that um, ebook from the Polyscale website. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's definitely available on the site. Um, so, yep, free to download. And 
definitely worth a read, I think, Lee. <laughs> yeah, great. And um, I, I appreciate the conversation here, Ben. This has been great. Uh, once again, Ben Hagen is the founder and CEO of Polyscale, a high-performance, easily configured and set up database caching service for any application. Literally, any application, sounds like. Uh, ben, thank you very much for being on Software Engineering Daily. Pleasure. Thanks for your time, Lee.